basic AF is. Uh, not actually sure if that'll stick or not. It sounded all right. Probably sounded better in my head. Um, but I'm going solo today, so there are no rules. Basic AF as it is. Uh, firstly, as always, um, we're we're doing our regular rant uh, about the Podcast Republic app. They're helping us grow the show exponentially um, just by us giving them a, a free plug. Uh, so download the Podcast Republic app on your phone uh, and and get every show you could possibly want. Um, if it's not on the po- Podcast Republic app, I guarantee it doesn't exist. Uh, so today's episode is literally just me talking to myself um, because Alice doesn't have time for us anymore. Uh, so for the three of you listening, um, just a bit of a heads up. Uh, I'm not even apologizing for the gratuitous plug this time. Um, cheers to the new listeners and thank you to those who have stuck with us as well. Um, the numbers have been getting pretty out of hand the last couple of months. Um, so yeah, cheers for that. I'm recording on my phone, so apologies um, if there's any lack in quality. I know it'll change uh, from the absolute quality and production you normally used to from us uh, here at the Basic AF podcast. Um, there's also normally someone else to bounce the discussion off, so not sure how how I'll, how I'll go. Uh, can't speak at the moment, so it's definitely not a good start. Um, I guess it's kind of just like talking to yourself, um, which I guess I do a fair bit anyway. Who knows, maybe this will start a, a spin-off solo podcast and the basic AF podcast will be no more. So I guess this might be the last last episode of the basic AF podcast ever, I guess. We'll see how, how I go solo. Um, although I'll probably still have to get Alice to, to edit the episodes for me if I do go go solo because uh, I'm fairly useless when it comes to that type of stuff. Hence the reason why I'm recording on a phone. I couldn't actually set up the, the other mics uh, and the, the software that we normally need on the Mac. Uh, this is a bit of a catch-up episode, I guess you could call it, um, you know, with a few follow-up points from, from different episodes um, that I've thought about personally after the fact. Uh, and maybe we'll go through a few different articles and topics I've found um, that might have some relevance to whatever it is we normally talk about. Um, I don't know. Let's just try and wing it together, shall we? Um, if this is the first episode you've listened to, to of the show, uh, start what you're doing uh, and I'd say start somewhere else. Uh, if you're going to continue with this one, for the love of God, please don't judge the show purely based on this episode. Um, personally, my two favorite episodes are number two and four. Uh, they have the most well-rounded points of discussion on my part. Um, so me being the narcissist I am, naturally, I guess I, I enjoyed those more. Uh, whatever you do, don't start at episode one. We haven't put a disclaimer in the show notes yet, um, but but I'm working on it. Uh, mainly just because we had no fucking idea of what we were doing. Um, and I guess we were just amazed that we could talk for close to an hour without too much dead air. Uh, the format changed a little and it, and, you know, just got it a hell of a lot more polished straight after the first app. Uh, so I'd say probably pick an episode with a subject that interests you uh, and leave at one till the last, um, the last episode you listen to. You know, once we've got you on site, of course, and, and you're loving the show. Uh, so I guess the um, 
the best place to, to start the chat in this in this episode is probably with our last topic. Um, there was a bit of back and forward between myself and Alice regarding the single-use plastic ban, plastic bag ban rather. Um, I was playing a little bit of a, a devil's advocate, I guess you could say, in in arguing the point of Coles's actions, reactions, and backflip after the initial implementation date. Uh, essentially, they were cowards, but for good business-related reasons, in my opinion. Um, so in the, the two weeks since that episode has aired, uh, Coles have actually now gone back to charging for the bags. Um, so this is a media release from Coles um, from a couple of days ago. Uh, so the spokesperson says, uh, Coles has always maintained that complementary bags were an interim measure to help customers make the transition to reusable bags and complementary bags will no longer be offered after Wednesday the 29th of August. If customers forget to bring their own bags, Coles has a range of options available, including the 15 cents better bag, which is thicker and more durable than single use plastic bags and can be used multiple times. When customers have finished with the better bag, it can be recycled through the red red cycle bins available at all Coles supermarkets. There is also a range of community bags available in stores. These durable multi-use bags have been designed by school children across Australia and a portion of sales will be donated to our community partners, Clean Up Australia, Little Athletics Australia, Second Bite and Guide Dogs Australia. The range includes a shoulder bag, a chiller, or a chiller bag, a tote, and a jute bag. What the fuck is a jute bag? I literally have no idea. I've never heard of that word before in my life. I think I might have to Google it. All right, so through the magic that is uh, voice record editing, I have just Googled what a jute bag is and they're just like your regular reusable ones, but, you know, you can get away with charging a fuckload more for them. They're kind of like the the Hessian reusable bags. I don't know, they've just got that look and feel to them. They look enviral as fuck, but, um, but yeah, I'll just call them reusable ones. So it's good to know. Um, I'm getting a lot of facts today. Jute bag. Okay. I wonder why it's what the, I wonder what the actual origin of the word jute is. Oh no, I can't be fucked. Anyway, I listened, just listened back, um, to what I just recorded as well. Um, that's another little peek behind the curtain. It's not always recorded in one. Uh, and I realized that there's, um, a few, uh, pitter patters of, of paws and claws on, uh, on our, on our floorboards. Uh, so that's diesel. If you hear any of that or anything that sounds like rain, it's probably rain as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's back sleeping now. So hopefully that's, that's the last we hear about that. Uh, nobody tell my landlord either cause he's meant to be an outside dog. Um, <laughs> so anyway, back on topic. Um, you know, I, I guess in my opinion, I'll, I'll have it known that I think Cole's approach from a business perspective is, is fine. Um, also what I didn't realize is that throughout the backtrack from Cole's, if you want to call it that, um, you can still choose to pay for your bag. Um, which I only realized cause I don't shop at Cole's too much. It was only after I'd gone, gone back to Cole's for the first time in months. Um, so having scanned my bag through paid for it, 
I only realized three or four hours later at work that I could have got it for free. Um, so, you know, I can only assume that there were thousands of people still paying for them while they were free, uh, which I think is an important note as well. They weren't just necessarily handing them out for free. Um, from, from what I believe it was sort of just like if people put them through for free, then that's what they do. Diesel, shut up. Um, yeah, so I think also another another point on it is that so the the staff at the self service at Woolies you, had anyone been pulled up for not paying for their bag over the last two months? I don't think so. Like I don't know whether the checkout staff are just they just can't be bothered. But does anybody get pulled up for anything nowadays? Isn't isn't that the joke? There's so much theft going through those things. Um, so I think really if a company like Woolworths is going to talk to talk the talk, um, I think they have to actually implement their virtue signaling or it's just that it's virtue signaling. They're sort of taking the high, high ground. Um, when, you know, at least Coles has, has come, has come out and admitted to the backtrack. And then I guess they had a, like a fairly good PR release to spin it around and make them look all right in the end. So I guess it's just two sort of different tactics that two supermarkets have decided to use and I guess we'll we'll see if there's any actual real fallout. But, you know, I don't think there actually will be. All right, anyway, that that's it for me about the fucking bag ban. Jesus Christ, I never want to actually want to hear those two words in the same, same, same sentence ever again, bag and ban. Um, I can only assume that you guys like me uh, – are sick of hearing about it. Um, so I think the next, the next sort of topic that, that I wanted to, to sort of rediscuss, um, is got probably going back to our, our topic, um, is Facebook still relevant? Um, I'm fairly sure we spoke about how Facebook was looking to introduce, uh, mid video ads like YouTube does. Um, so when there's a, a pop-up ad with a countdown timer um, halfway through halfway through a video, um, so they, they, they've definitely they've they've started that. I can't remember if they had started that when we were talking about it, um, but obviously the issue with that is you're not going to watch a ten to twenty second ad um, in a video that only lasts thirty seconds. You know, like that's it's a pretty quick way to just completely destroy your business model. Um, so I was thinking, how short on a personal level, how short could a video be that I would sit through a fifteen second ad and not be annoyed? Um, I came to the conclusion that I reckon a minute is what I would allow for about a ten to twenty second ad, and even then, that'd be pushing it. Um, but is it just me or are there a shitload of Facebook videos that are under 30 seconds or I, at least I swear they used to be, um, you know, maybe I'm just reminiscing about the, the sweet short life that was Vine, which was like 18 months, I guess of like six second comedy. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was, I was thinking of like, okay, surely if Facebook want videos in ads, they would have to start favoring content then that lasts for at least two to three minutes 
And if your video isn't two to three minutes long, then the algorithm would surely just bury shorter vids. And I don't know if I'm completely off the mark, but when I, after thinking about this, when I went back to my Facebook feed, I swear to God, just looking through the lengths of the videos, three, I'd probably say three out of four of the videos in my feed were now almost exactly three minutes long, which I know is a contradiction almost exactly. All right. I'm not, all right, shut up. <laughs> all right. Um, anyway, the rest of the videos that I could just see anecdotally um, were longer and I could barely find anything that was even close to under a minute that wasn't a sponsored video or a video that someone had just posted to one of the many groups that I'm in. Um, so I don't know if this means something at all. Um, I have no idea, but I would say, um, that from like a personal business Facebook page perspective, um, I would say that if you're posting a video that's less than a couple of minutes, I guess you'd probably have to be prepared to have to boost your posts because there's a good chance that the Facebook algorithm will just bury it. Um, if, if, you know, if Facebook can't get away with showing a, a mid video ad, you know, if that, if that makes any sense. So I think you'll see less and less shorter videos and more longer videos. And I don't know, is that, is that what you want on Facebook? I'm not really sure. Like the majority of videos, at least that I used to watch are just short and sharp because your attention span isn't even that great on Facebook. There's so much information to take in. So I guess that'll probably be, you know, a bit of a change. Um, we'll see if it's for the better or not. Um, so I think it's probably an interesting time for these to come out, especially with um, Facebook Watch that's about to be rolled out, um, which isn't a wristwatch. Um it's essentially a digital video network on the Facebook platform. Um, so that's not far off. Um, who knows what that'll, what that'll involve. Um, but I guess just be prepared to see a whole lot more um, live videos from content creators uh, and long form content, um, which I guess, you know, should be pretty cool. Um, we'll see how it goes. I don't mind Facebook Live at the moment. Um, apparently it is the most effective form of video as well. I think people are two or three times more likely to, to watch, um, a live video from a content creator than something that they've just posted. Um, but yeah, I guess it'll also be interesting to see, um, if TV networks jump on Facebook watch, um, because I can't really see free to air. TV being a success for much longer, um, except for like, you know, like your live sports and your reality TV, I guess. Um, but you know, what would I know? Um, I mean, hopefully I will know a fair bit soon. Um, as I'm starting a media role in exactly two days. Uh, so I don't know, maybe I should be more up to date with this stuff. 
who knows? But um, but yeah, it should be interesting to see where where Facebook is going, considering uh, you know all the data breach stuff that we've we've definitely flogged to death. Um, and yeah, just sort of how how they go about their how they go about their business because I've said it multiple times on different episodes that I don't think there's a, a business or an industry that's that's too big to fall. Um, even something like Facebook, where literally half the world's population um, have an account. Um, alrighty, so next I thought um, we could go through um, a few different articles um, on the Australian website Mumbrella, M-U-M-B-R-E-L-L-A, like umbrella. Um, so Mumbrella, uh, it's a great uh, Australian website that um, has daily, it's like a daily news website um, but specifically for marketing and media um, and then a little bit of the business world as well. Um, so I guess if, if that's the type of thing you're, you're into, um, yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad news site. Um, it's sort of broken down into opinion based stuff and factual based stuff. Um, and yeah, so far there doesn't seem to be too much bias, um, even in the opinion related articles, um, which, you know, is surprising for a news source. Um, but yeah, there was a, an interesting article from uh, a couple of days ago uh, on, a, on a topic that um, I do enjoy talking about. Um, so the article is entitled How to Solve a Problem Like Confirmation Bias. Um, so it's written by Richard Schotten. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty in-depth article. It goes into um, kind of what confirmation bias is uh, and a little bit of an explanation about that. Uh, it sort of talks about how, um, I don't know how long ago it was, uh, probably like 40, 50 years ago, um, a, an American study into uh, college, college uh, American football, um, you know, the, the opinions that the two different fan bases had on, um, on the officiating of the game. Um, and yeah, as you can imagine, it was, it was pretty one-sided sway depending on which team you were supporting, um, and what you believed were, was rough play or a bad call or, or just the, the overall outcome of the game, um, was completely swayed by obviously your confirmation bias for the team that you were supporting. Um, so yeah, so it goes into, um, uh, and then, then it sort of, it feeds off on that. Um, and it's talking about, um, about, a, a piece of research that, that Richard actually did himself, um, in, in 2015, uh, in the, the UK general election. Um, and he's saying that, uh, about a thousand, it, so they surveyed about a thousand, a sample size of about a thousand voters, um, which is a decent sample size, um, that, and they, they surveyed, um, policy, suggested policies or a suggested policy, um, that was being debated in the upcoming election. 
and ask for feedback from the thousand sample size. Uh, and the only the only way the only time that they changed the the form of the policy was in telling the voters which side of like which political party was proposing um, proposing the policy. Uh, so the and the results were completely split by political affiliation. So depending on who you said that you sided with before the survey started, um, you were three times more likely to be for or against the proposed policy based purely on which political party you thought was proposing it, um, which is is pretty ridiculous when, when you think about it. So you're three to four times more likely to agree with something purely because it's coming from the affiliated party, which I think is just ridiculous. And I don't believe that there's a, a, a centralist. I think that's the word. I don't, I don't believe you can be a centrist when it comes to the political spectrum. I think you can change, you can hundred percent change from issue to issue, but you can never be hundred percent um, on the fence straight down the middle as a general rule, or even for a specific um, political issue. Um, but I think, I think what that shows is that people kind of need to, to take in the actual facts and, and look at it objectively, not subjectively. I think politics and political issues and social issues have to be something that are 100% looked at objectively. Um, diesel. And then, and you come up with an opinion based on that and a solution based on that. And, and yeah, and so I think that's the way that people need to go about politics. And I definitely have bias, which I've stated, and everyone definitely does, but I think there needs to be more, more, you need to be able to be influenced by facts more. And I don't think that's happening today. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a rant, but uh, the article then goes on um, to discussing why why having an understanding of confirmation bias um, is important just in everyday life, um, but then in, in marketing and media as well. Um, so it goes into that, you know, essentially confirmation bias, so that the aspect of it that you need to think about is, is like negative opinions and the confirmation bias that comes towards you in a negative manner because obviously positive confirmation bias in marketing terms is the best thing that you could want. It's, you know, it's your, your user tribe or your target market tribe. It's people that are going to bat for you. It's people that, you know, buy Apple products just because the Apple products and vice versa with Android um, instead of actually deciding which is the better product. Um, so, yeah, so I think from... From that, I th- he's, he goes in to say that um, the confirmation bias is probably the easiest and best way to whittle down and targets like segment, like target segments, different segments within the market. Um, you know, because obviously you want to find, you want to be able to identify the people that are with you and against you. And then I guess the hardest thing to do in marketing um, but you know, it's why marketing's there is to, to sway negative opinion. 
Um, so yeah, it goes into to those to that different stuff. Um, you know, it, it goes into whether you should acknowledge rejectors or people that have negative reactions or confirmation bias towards your product, whether it's worth it, um, which I think is probably the, you know, why marketers get paid so much. It's, you know, or a decent amount at least, um, you know, it's, can we get, you know, the half of the market that don't like us or don't agree with us? Can we get them to, to start buying into, to our product or cause? Um, so he, he pretty much suggests that you should just steer clear of, of those people. Um, and you can, as long as you can identify who they are, then you know who to avoid and therefore you cut down your marketing costs anyway and you're only really hammering your niche. Um, but he does suggest that, you know, every now and then if you can do it properly, it would be a good idea to target, um, you know, the rejectors. Um, you know, in a different way, a different, you know, probably coming at it from their point of view, maybe if you can spin some shit, which I guess is what Coles did. Um, I won't say the two words about the subject, but in, in terms of what they did with the backtrack, it was kind of like, yeah, well, you know, this is what we're doing all along and they were kind of playing both sides and I think they played it, played it pretty well. Um, so then it goes into, you know, how can you win over rejectors, which is, which, you know, I think is, is probably marketing gold. Um, just in general, I think, um, you know, these are type, like whether you're a marketer or not, I think these are just the, the different types of different, different types of things that I think are just good to know in life. You know, you can relate it specifically to marketing, but you know, being able to influence people. And I, and I think influencing is, is definitely different to manipulating. Um, I'm not a fan of manipulators or manipulating someone, but influencing someone's completely different because at the end of the day, in my mind, influencing is just giving people facts and information from your point of view, um, maybe leaving gaps and silences as well. So maybe not necessarily giving them all the information, um, which is why I think some people think marketing can be a bit dodgy in that sense. But at the end of the day, when you're influencing someone, they have all the power. You just have to sway them. They have the power to make whatever decision they want. You're just trying to sway them one way or another. Which I think's just, you know, being able to do that, that's just a good life skill and attribute to have. Um, you know, not, not in a dodgy way or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's sort of a bit of a topic that that I want to cover maybe a little bit down the track as well. Um, so just some some of the lessons that that I learnt from working in sales, um, particularly door-to-door sales. And then, you know, because from what I took out of that, there are definitely a lot of personal and professional um, attributes and skills that you can just use in everyday life now. And I don't want to, I don't want to sound too preachy here because, um, you know, it's means nothing coming from me. Cause you know, I haven't, I've done fuck all. Um, but you know, like if, if you can get something out of it, then fine. Um, and if you don't want to listen to that episode, uh, definitely don't. So that's, 
pretty much uh, all for that article. Um, that was a decent decent time filler. Um, going all right at the moment. Almost half an hour here. Um, so yeah, so in terms of uh, an, another interesting article I found on uh, on Mumbrella, um, and I think we'll probably go into this area um, a little on the next episode. Um, so Foxtel CMO, um, I'm going to have to have a guess at what that means. Chief Managing of- Officer, maybe? Anyway, the um, the Chief Managing Officer of Foxtel. Um, so he's come out and effectively uh, taking a backhanded, uh, passive-aggressive swipe, if you will, um, at Netflix. Um, so he's essentially saying that... Uh, actually, I think this is... This is yeah. So this is a quote. Um, so he, he's come out and said uh, Netflix is good for us. Um, us obviously being Foxtel. Um, for those of you outside of Australia, um, Foxtel is uh, our cable TV service provider. Um, so anyway, he goes on to say that uh, Netflix sells in a different market to what Foxtel sells to. Uh, we sell to premium home-based subscribers who typically want a lean-back experience and a shared family experience. Netflix doesn't. Uh, well, I, get, I, I guess that's sort of shots fired on, on Fox Sales' part. Um, and, yeah, anyone who only has Netflix and not Foxtel, which I think are probably about 6 million homes in Australia, I think, um, you're not premium. That, that's all I'm taking out of that. <laughs> well, you don't like premium uh, premium ent- entertainment. Um, but yeah, so I guess I guess that sort of that statement um, is definitely a fair amount of of spin. Um, you know, because otherwise Foxtel, like if Foxtel wouldn't have dropped the prices of their packages um, as much as they have and brought in a new streaming service if it wasn't for Netflix. So. You know, I guess Netflix is big enough for them to have had to change a fair portion of their business model. Um, so I think you, you're probably definitely selling in the exact same market. Um, anyway, he goes on to say that, um, and then this I just completely disagree with. Uh, he says it takes 10 to 15 years for technology to make its way into the mainstream. Uh, it takes another 10 or 15 years for business models to evolve. So I don't know if from that, I don't know if I'm just taking it out of context, but he's saying that 10 to 15 years for technology to make its way in into everyday life. Yeah, maybe, but then for another 10 or 15 years for a business model to evolve. So is he saying that it'll take 20 years from the inception of a piece of technology for different business models to evolve? Like how, how is that even remotely true nowadays? If like, if your business is taking 20 years to adapt its business model to the latest technology, then surely, like surely you're going under, you know, maybe a couple, maybe 20 years ago that, that was the case, but surely it's not, not the case today. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you've got five, five years tops, um, to adapt to, to new technologies and to adapt your business model, you know, 
and and I'm no business expert, definitely not. But I don't know. Maybe that's Foxtel's problem. Um, you know, they were the the first movers in the cable TV industry in Australia. Um, but are they too stubborn to change properly? You know, because they've brought out the streaming services. Um, and they are providing different options to what they normally would have. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to see where Foxtel is in the next couple of years, how much they've adapted, um, you know, how much they've, they've changed or if they even do still exist. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe they do get it because um, the CMO does finish by referring to how Netflix has already, you know, taken out a lot of different competitors, um, like Blockbuster, for instance. Um, and then he goes on to say that that it won't happen to Foxtel. So they they do have some understanding of of the the landscape of of you know TV entertainment or video entertainment. Um, you know, I I was I I was reading a different article though that. Um, that said that subscriptions to Stan and Netflix in Australia um, over the last year have actually gone up 30%, whereas Foxtel has dropped 2%. Um, so I guess, you know, Foxtel's obviously going to have a fight on its hands and, you know, let's let's just hope it means that, you know, prices have to drop um, and the product that they provide, so whether it's the the cable TV or whether it's the, the streaming service. Um, yeah. So hopefully those, they just have to get better because at the moment their streaming service isn't great. It's pretty laggy. There are a few bugs and it's because I don't think that they've put all their attention into it. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see sort of the changing of the landscape of, of, of media, I guess. Um, so I guess it's probably an interesting interesting time to be getting involved in it um, on a personal level and I'm, I'm pretty excited I guess it's probably my um, my first my first real job um, yeah so so should be good um, but yeah anyway that's probably enough rambling from me um, if you've made it this far cheers for for sticking around this episode um, hopefully I've pressed record on my phone properly um, and that this has actually been able to be posted. Um, we should be back next week with our regular setup. Um, unfortunately, that does mean that Alice will be back. Um, and during the show, we'll be, you know, we'll be back to pretending that um, that you're not actually there. Um, so, so have fun going, going back to being a fly on the wall, I guess. Um, I think we're having a crack at mixing two or three topics into one episode. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they'll, they'll segue properly. Um, will they? I guess there's only one way to find out. Catch you next time.